God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. Praise the Lord. So I was reminded of a couple of things this morning when some of you were here and some weren't yet. Um, I don't know. I, I'm cleaning up at the campground. I'm helping them out. Pulling in a brush pile. And I have what looks like poison ivy on my arm. Praise God. And I remember the situation that happened 96, just the other day. I was in Richmond, Virginia, and we were fishing on the James River. It was a group of us. And while I'm fishing, waiting on the, the, the fish to bite my line, I'm digging in the bank right there and uh, digging in, getting worms, and we're going to use them for fishing. I'm digging through these beautiful little red roots. People start laughing. Digging through these beautiful red roots, turn, come to find out it was poison ivy. And I got to the point where my entire arm, all the way down to my fingertips, was blisters from poison ivy. And in my devotions, I'm reading a scripture, and I can't remember where it is. It's in the prophets. It might be in Jeremiah, but I'm pretty sure it's in one of the minor prophets. Where God said, concerning the work of my hand, command thou me. And as I'm reading, and I come across that verse, I say, Lord, this is what your word says. And your word says that no curse will come nigh my dwelling. In obedience to your word, in, in standing on your word, I command that this be dried up. This is a curse that was put on the land because of, uh, because of the fall in the garden. When you drove out Adam, Adam and Eve from the garden, you put a curse on the land, said, curse will be the ground for your sake. This is a curse that came up with the thorns and the thistles. And your word says, no curse will come nigh my dwelling. Your word says, concerning the work of my hands, command thou me. I command that this be dried up. And in three days it was gone, completely. No blisters, no I mean, fresh new skin, no scars, no nothing. Completely gone in three days. Short time after that, I'm reading, and I'm reading in Psalm 91, where it says, And no plague shall come nigh your dwelling. I had misquoted scripture to God, but understanding that God's word is true and standing on it the very best of my ability, and God honored it. And I was so humbled that the God of the whole universe loved me so much that even in my errors, even in my mistakes, even in my misquoting scripture, he still honored it, and he healed me. I, I was sharing that before everybody got here this morning, and Deb reminded me of another situation along the same lines. I knew a man in Richmond, Virginia, a homeless man, who had come to know the Lord. Um, people had witnessed to him. He'd come to salvation and was beginning to try to get his life straightened out and get, get things going. And he was reading his Bible, and he came across the verse that says, and I will give them clean teeth in all of their cities. This is a man who... Living on the streets, his teeth had rotted out. He had no teeth. He had stubs and just nasty. 
But he said, he came across that verse, and with a heart full of faith, and a heart of crying out to God, he said, God, if you can give them clean teeth, you can give me clean teeth. And God healed him, and he grew a set of teeth. As an adult, not his baby teeth going, he grew a complete clean set of teeth. Because God did it. He didn't understand what the Scripture was saying. The Scripture was saying there's going to be a famine and you won't have anything to eat. There will be clean teeth in all of your cities because you won't have anything to get stuck between them. But he stood on what he understood of the Word. And God moved in a mighty way. And God did something I've never seen done before or since. But I've seen it done. And I know my God can do anything. Now, I wasn't intending to bring these into the messages until it came up in conversation this morning, but I want to talk about wilderness time. The things we go through, the wilderness adventures or the wilderness misadventures or the wilderness training sessions we go through in our lives. And it might necess- not necessarily be like the front cover of, the, of the, uh, the bulletin where it shows the desert area, a couple of little scrub brushes, some hills and stuff like that. But we go through times in our life where God is getting our attention, where God is focusing us, getting rid of the distractions, getting rid of the things that would lead us away. Or maybe we're in the midst of turmoil, the midst of problems, and we can't, every place we turn to except the Lord does no good, and we reach the point where we have to turn to the Lord. For me, it was being locked in a foreign jail where people didn't speak a lot of English and I didn't speak a lot of Hebrew. Wilderness experiences, things we go through that let us know who God is. And we're going to start in Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. It says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens parting, and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. Now, when it talks, uh, this passage in Matthew, where it talks about the same event, we hear the details of Satan tempting Jesus. Mark doesn't cover that. But Mark says, The Spirit, right after Jesus was baptized, right after the the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Now, Jesus, this is the beginning of his ministry, or, or about to be the beginning of his ministry. And he goes, and the first thing that happens was he got alone with God. The first thing that happened was he was away from people. He was out in the wilderness. Forty days he fasted and prayed, was tempted by Satan, was with the wild beast, according to the scripture right here, and the angels ministered to him. This is going to be important later on as I get to another verse. But think about that. Jesus, growing up... um, In the household of Mary and Joseph, Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus learned to be a carpenter under uh, Joseph's training. So at 30 years of age, when he left his parents' house, 
We don't know we, because Joseph is not mentioned from that point. We assume Joseph had passed away by that time. But um, he went away and began this ministry. Excuse me. And the first thing that happens, even though at 12 years of age, he was found reason in the temple, reasoning with the, uh, with the, um, the scribes and the Pharisees talking about the Scripture, discussing the things of God, even at 12. So he knew growing up. But the first thing that happened after his baptism, after the Holy Spirit descended on him, was he went into the wilderness for a time. We know John spent a good deal of time in the wilderness before he came out of the wilderness preaching and, uh, and talking about repenting for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. said he came out what... Uh, with gar- with a raiment of, of camel's hair, and his his uh, he ate honey and wild locusts. So they were trying to get people to eat grasshoppers way back then. So, grasshoppers and crickets, good stuff. But he was he came out of the wilderness as a wild man after having spent time obviously with God because he came back telling people repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He came back and telling that you know they were hypocrites. The, the religious leaders, Paul or uh, John came and began sharing that word. Uh, when Paul or Saul, after God met him on the road, after Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, and he was blind, and after he got prayed for by Simon in Damascus, Scripture says he went away, and for three years, you don't hear from Paul. But when he comes back, he's different. When he comes back, he's a whole different person. And I know that God will work in our lives to get our attention. The children of Israel, when they came out of, the, when they came out of Egypt for a, with on that about a two-week journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, and they go and they send in the spies, and the spies came back, and ten of them gave an evil report, but Joshua and Caleb gave the good report, said God is well able to give us the land that He's promised. But the people didn't want to hear it. They were afraid. Why has God brought it? Why did God deliver us from Egypt to bring us here to kill us? And for 40 years they wandered around in the wilderness till all that generation had died off. God tries to draw people to himself. And one of the things he does as he's drawing people to himself is he gives them a wilderness experience, wilderness time. In Hosea chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. Now, leading up to verse 14, God is talking about how the nation of Israel has, has rebelled against Him, has, has uh, committed adultery with other gods, and, and turned their focus on that. But in 14, God says, and the heading on this is, is God's mercy on His people. But He says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. And I will give her vineyards from there, and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it shall be that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband, and no longer call me my master. Let's go back through this just a minute. You remember the valley of Achor. After the battle of, of uh, Jericho, where God had delivered the city and God told him not to take anything. And the very next battle is this little place called Ai. 
And in and AI, the, uh, the, the, the troops that are there, the people that are there, completely decimate the, the Jews that went, the, the Hebrews that went there to, uh, to conquer the city. They were all uh, built up on themselves, proud of themselves. We just, God's just delivered uh, Jericho. God can, is going to bring us through it. And then they go up against the next enemy, and they get routed. They get defeated. And Joshua goes to the Lord and says, what's going on? He said, and God says, there's sin in the camp. And we go through and they cast lots to get down to, to tribes and down to families. And they get down to Achan. Achan has sent, and while he was in Jericho, he took some, quote-unquote, goodly things. He took garments, he took gold, he took silver, and he hid it in his tent. And it came down, and when they figured out what was, where God revealed what was going on, as they cast lots and got down to him, and Joshua told him to, to give testimony, to confess what had happened, and he did. And Achan and his family were stoned in the Valley of Achor. Valley of Achor, Achor means desolation. In this place of desolation, God says, I will give her vineyards and the Valley of Achor as a door of hope. In the very desolation, the very things that we go through that are devastating when we find out we have no hope, we have no help, we have no solution except for God. When we get ourselves completely over, when we find ourselves completely overwhelmed by what's going on and learn to trust in God, God gives us a door of hope. God gives us a an encouragement, and it just lifts us up and guides us. He shows us that he, he's ne we're never alone. I hope you're following me. I hope, I hope this is making sense to you. The things we go through. God says, I'm going to lead you into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, I'm going to take care of you. And in the valley of desolation, I'm going to give you hope. Can you see these things in your own life? Do you recognize God having done things like that in your life? In the very turmoil, in the very midst of us, and we'll learn to sing as in the days of our youth, when, when she says, in that day when she came up from the land of Egypt, remind, God reminding us what He's brought us through and encouraging us and strengthening us. And verse 16 says, And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. In that day, there's going to be a change in relationship. In that day, it's no longer going to be, you know, I was always growing up afraid of God because, you know, I knew I was a, a, a horrible sinner. I always felt God was going to, you know, smite me, get rid of me, turn me into a, a soot spot. But it comes a relationship of knowing that God loves us, that anything He allows to come into our life, He's already promised to cause it to work together for good. He's already promised to do that. And anything He allows has to come into our life through His love that it causes us to be closer to Him. That, that will time in the wilderness, just as it says here in Hosea, God said, I will lure Israel into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there. I will make provision. 
God will make provision for us in our time in the wilderness. He'll make provision for us in our time where we seem to be cut off from everything, yet God still maintains us. And in the midst of the valley of desolation, in the midst of all the turmoil that goes on, God will bring comfort to us and help us because he's wanting a deeper, more intimate relationship. Jesus was baptized. The Holy, God said from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit came down like a dove and immediately the Spirit drove him in the wilderness for 40 days to be tested. 40 days to be tempted by Satan was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. Jesus was isolated. Let's go on. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning with verse 5. It says, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest, but it was he, that is God, who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Having been perfected, he became the offer of eternal salvation to all who obey him. That verse 8 just kind of jumped out at me. Jesus, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Now think of what we know about Jesus' earthly ministry. He was confrontational with the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He called sinners to him. He told the fishermen, I will make you fishers of men. When he spoke in, uh, in Nazareth in the synagogue in Nazareth, and they wanted to stone him, and they brought him up to the precipice, and they were going to stone him. Jesus turned around and walked right back through the middle of him. In his ministry, up until the time of his, of his uh, crucifixion, up until the time that he was be, had been arrested, when did he suffer? There's no indication in that sex. From the time he began preaching until the night he was arrested, there's no indication that he suffered. So if Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered, or another way of saying it, through the things he endured, the things he went through, I think it happened in the wilderness. Those 40 days, we don't know what happened. Because when he came out of the wilderness, he was doing the work God sent him to do. If he learned obedience through the things he suffered, he suffered those things before we have written down what it was. He endured those things before, and that valley of that uh, that time in the wilderness, where the angels ministered to him, where Satan tempted him, where he was with the wild beast, where all of these things are going on. Jesus came out knowing. I only came out with a testimony. I only do the things I see my Father do. I only do those things which please the Father. Jesus came out, he had that testimony as he began ministering. That time in the wilderness that we all go through in one way or another. 
that time where God is getting our attention and drawing us closer, is the grace and love and mercy of God drawing us into a relationship so much deeper and so much more than what we had expected or imagined. Especially those of us who had grown up in a church and things had to be just this way or just that way. But God wants us to know Him. So that we're no longer like Job. Job says, Before I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen, have seen you, and I am undone. I recognize that the only good I have in me is what you've given me. The only grace and the only mercy I have in me is what you poured on me. The only way I understand love is because you love me. That time in the wilderness, that time in turmoil, that time in affliction, that time in whatever is going on, where we draw close to the Lord and find out He's right there with open arms. 1 Peter 5, beginning with verse 5. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another. To one another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter says, you're going to suffer a while. That it's important that we go through things. It's important that we experience the goodness and the provision and the protection of God in the midst of turmoil so that our strength and our, our faith gets strengthened. Everybody goes through things. He says that. Peter said, the, Resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Everybody goes through things. The difference is, as we go through things, knowing God, we draw closer to the Lord. As we go through the wilderness, we are not alone. As we go through the, des the desert places, we are not alone. As we go through those dry spells, or as we go through times when nothing seems to make sense, as we go through times when <laughs> we can't seem to get our head above water, know that God is right there. God is guiding us, God is leading us, God is healing us, and God wants to draw us closer. That we learn to rely upon Him. It says to cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Thank you, Lord. I can put my cares, my trust, my faith in the Lord because He knows what I'm going through and He cares for me. And having been through a wilderness, having been through multiple wildernesses, we all are, but having been through a wilderness, I can say without a doubt, God has not brought me this far to leave me right here. He has not brought you this far to leave you right here. He is faithful. And our, our faith is strengthened. Our faith is built up because of what God has done. I'm going to go back to Hosea 2. We drop down a few verses and we're going to start, pick up again on Hosea 2, verse 19. 
Again, this is after God has said, you will no longer call me my master. You will call me my husband. The relationship is changed. It's not an authoritarian figure from heaven looking down and pointing out all our problems. It is someone who loves us so much and draws us so much toward him. Verse 19 says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will answer. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer with grain, with new wine, and, and with oil. And they shall answer Jezreel. Jezreel means God will sow. God will make the provision in our life. God is the one who gives us all those things that we need. And I will sow her for myself in the earth. And then while I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. And I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. The things we go through, this valley of Achor, this, this wilderness experience we go through, where God shows his love to us, is so that others may see. God wants to hold us up as trophies of his grace. The things God works in us, works in us not only that we might know who he is, but also that we be faithful witnesses in the earth around us. We be faithful witnesses to the people we encounter. We can say, I know what it's like to hurt, but let me tell you about a God who loves. Let me tell you about a God who never lets go who draws us by His Spirit, who brings us into communion with Him, who wants that relationship, that deep relationship based on love, deep relationship based on understanding, deep relationship based on confidence that He is who He says He is. Praise God. I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. There are people watching the things we go through. There are people watching our lives, even if we don't see them. There are people all around us who recognize that we claim to be different. We claim to be followers of God. How do we react when things don't go well? How do we react when things are difficult? How do we react when we're hurting? Because they want to know there's hope. They want to know that what they've known their whole life isn't all of it. God has called us to be faithful witnesses. He's called us to be lights in the midst of darkness. We become lights in the midst of the darkness when we shine with His presence. We shine with His presence when we've spent time with Him. Maybe spent time in the wilderness. Maybe spent time in difficult situations where we've learned that where we have no one else to, to count on, God never fails. And that confidence of knowing that no matter what comes, good, bad, indifferent, no matter what comes, I serve a God who loves me. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt He will never leave me nor forsake me. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt He has a plan and purpose. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I will spend eternity with Him. That my life on this earth might be a fleeting breath. I could walk out the door or I could 
still be in the pulpit and have a heart attack. Wouldn't be the first person that's ever done that. Whatever comes, I know my Redeemer lives. And like Job said, and one day I will see him in my flesh. My eyes shall behold him and not another's. I know because he has made himself, he's made me to understand, he has demonstrated his love and grace to me in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst where there was no hope, there was no other place to turn. And even as I started off to saying, even in showing his love and mercy that when I misquoted scripture to him, when I tried standing upon his word, even when it was I had the bad understanding of the word, but I tried standing on it and I saw his mercy and grace that he answered. And not just me. He doesn't just love me. He loves the others. I told you about the guy in Richmond. Misquoting scripture, not understanding what the scripture says, not understanding what it actually meant, but reading the words and say, God, this is what your word says, and standing on it. And God showed his mercy in a way that blew everybody's mind. It's not something that happens. People do not grow a set of teeth when they're already fully grown. It's not a normal thing. It's something God did. Now, if God can do that, what can't he do? Coming to know the Lord, coming to draw close to the Lord, spending time in the wilderness and seeing God working the miraculous. Boost my faith, boost your faith, that we can share it with the people around us. And people are overwhelmed by the circumstances. We can say, I know a God who loves you, who has a plan and purpose for your life and wants you to draw close to him. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never walk away from you. I know because he's proved himself faithful time and time and time and time again. But if we hadn't been in the wilderness, how do we have that testimony? If we've never been in a situation where we had to rely on God, where we realized that every other source, every other thing we thought was going to work out, fell apart if we hadn't been in that situation where it comes down where all you can rely on is God that you realize God is all you can rely on anyway but if we've never been there if we've never been tested if we've never been tried if we've never had that wilderness time how do we have that testimony praise God for time in the wilderness praise God for time and difficulties praise God that he is the one who brings us through <coughs> Because that he has shown himself faithful and we can stand upon it, we can rely upon it, and we can declare it from the rooftops. We can declare it in any situation. Say, you know, you believe what you believe, but let me tell you something. I have seen with my own eyes a faithful God who opens doors when there was no door. Who opened a door in a solid wall. Who made a way when there was no way. And I stand on that because of time in the wilderness. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you do lure us away into the wilderness. We thank you, Father, that you do call us to come away and to come apart, to spend time with you. Father, that you allow things to come into our lives, Lord, that might even be uh, tumultuous or devastating. Yet in the middle of it, Father, you are still at work, still nudging our hearts, still drawing us closer, still revealing your great love to us. That we recognize that you are a very present help in time of trouble. 
that you are a God who loves us, that you desire a fellowship and an intimacy, and you call us to be your own. Father, we thank you for it. Lord, as we've read your words, we've shared these things this morning. Father, let your word bring forth fruit in our lives. Open our eyes, Father, to see what it is that you've already brought us through. And to recognize, Lord, that you who began the good work are faithful to complete it. That you will never leave us nor forsake us. That you are with us always. We thank you, Father, that nothing comes into our life without having come through the hands of a sovereign God who loves us. So, Father, we give praise. We thank you, Lord, for time in the wilderness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcvt.org.